1: welcome everyone to the happy at work podcast we are so excited to have with us today rob whalen who is the co-founder and the ceo of the pto exchange welcome rob to the podcast
0: thanks for having me tess michael so
1: we would love to just jump in and and have you tell us a little bit about yourself rob how did you become first of all how did you found this company or co-found this company the pto exchange and And, you know, what kind of (laughs) of background do you have that led you to this place?
0: My background is in accounting, first and foremost. So um, I graduated Seattle U way back when in accounting. I come from a family of serial entrepreneurs. My uncle started over 30 companies. Um, My father was an entrepreneur uh, working for the man, I guess, as they say, is what they didn't like. They like to work for themselves. So... Um, you know, obviously graduated, uh, my uncle put me into, uh, I was headed to a big eight firm at the time they were big eight. I think they're big four now, but, uh, one of the accounting firms and he said, no, you got to get into technology. He set me up with a job selling semiconductors realized early on in 94 about the software, about the internet and, uh, started my first company then. So in 96, um, is when I started my first company um and sold it off uh four or five years later um but that was my first first endeavor into entrepreneurial where you started something raised capital and then had to have a return um and you know that's just once you kind of get it you get it in your blood i've worked for big companies like i worked for cisco systems and others um but problem solving seems to be my my passion and uh, being an entrepreneur, you get to solve problems every single minute of the day, um, which is fun. Um, but this idea, uh, again, this is my fourth company that I've started. So this idea came from a dinner at my at my dining room table where I invited a bunch of entrepreneurs, individuals, executives. I think there was 14 of us. Ages ranged from, you know, we we had some young 20-year-olds there. We had some, you know, my age there. Uh, And this was back in 20, late 2012. And uh, this was one of two ideas that came out of it because the idea was I'd just I'd buy everyone steak and wine and we could talk about big ideas. And it came from because I left Cisco and I got paid a very large check for my paid time off that I had accrued on the books. And I thought, wow, why couldn't I have used that while I was there? I couldn't take PTO because I was so busy selling and generating revenue if I could have utilized that value of that paid time off and put it in my 401k or maybe afford a vacation that my family, you know, may have have not have taken at the time and and had an experience during those times instead of just getting that check as I walked out the door. And that was kind of the light bulb moment of the company. And then I started to do some research as a I like to do, and I started to look at just what the dollar amount was. And so, I and the team were the first ones to really create the idea of how much PTO was accrued every year, how much was lost, how much was. But it's interesting, right? You there, there's over four hundred billion dollars that's accrued on the books of corporations, and that's just um, that's not even the public entities; that's the private entities, and roughly about. 180 billion goes unused and roughly about 65 to 90 billion gets lost and when you think about that, that is productivity that employees have given to the organization and they were not paid out because they didn't use it um, or they weren't able to capture it um, and that's that's really the problem we're solving is is the idea that employees, as they work they accrue this time and it's earned wages because it's part of their compensation and it should be earned or owed and they should be able to utilize it in different modalities to meet their as i would say their moments in life their transitions in life that we all go through and uh and, that, and that's that's the intent of the company is to help build a better benefit for employees help employees be better stewards of their of their time.
1: So I have a quick question, a follow up to that, um, Rob. Because I, so I'm guilty. I left 55 hours of PTO on the table, um, and I lost it. Right, use it or lose it is the policy at at my company. So, um, what do you say to the argument of companies, or should be encouraging people to actually take the time off to? not you know not leave any time on the table at the end of the year the reason they're giving this time off is to create balance and work-life integration so what are what what are your kind what do you say yeah
0: the three of us are probably not the average worker we probably make more than the average worker out there let's say you're going to take time off and you don't have a lot of money in your bank so you're really going to go home and stay at home you're going to take that week stay at home uh, maybe get some chores done around the house um, and you're going to worry about your job because you live paycheck to paycheck. That's not much of a vacation. I just left uh, my work environment and I went home and now I'm just thinking about, gosh, I hope my boss doesn't think I'm taking this time off or I hope uh, I don't have to go back and work more hours because nobody's really doing my work ongoing and nobody's really stepping in to do my role Um And so you start thinking of the psychology that's going on with people and you go, maybe that person being able to pay down their credit card with that week of time would be less stress, you know, instead of taking that that week off. The other thing is just work as an executive. And you, you probably see this too. You have a lot of work to do. And taking that time off is very difficult. A lot of it is because there's only one person to do what you do and or there's no one there to kind of pick up the slack. It's very difficult. So when you go away, you come back for more work. The resolution to that, in my opinion, is building flexible benefits that meet people where they where they are. And I give you an example. We were all talking about retirement. Well, what if you could take that 55 hours, Tess? And say, gosh, I didn't, I didn't, I only put fifteen thousand in my retirement 401k this year, and I could do up to twenty two, or and maybe there's a catch up, who knows? What if you could take that time and put it in your 401k, right? To help you, you know, meet those needs of retirement, and really, you earn those that wage. Um, that's that's what we really want to tell people is, this is something you earn, and I'll give you a perfect example of it we all talk about hourly pay rates. So we go, hey, what's your hourly pay rate? And you go, I'm a salary. And the reality is no, you have an hourly pay rate. When it goes into a payroll system, your $100,000 is divided by 2080, which gives you an hourly pay rate. And so when you take time off that 40 hours, you get paid times that hourly pay rate. You went into your job and you said, hey, I want $100,000 a year for my job, and I want four weeks of vacation. What you negotiated was your compensation, and what you negotiated was your productivity pay rate. And what we call a productivity pay rate is what everyone should be looking at, not your hourly pay rate. And your productivity pay rate, Tess and Michael, is is the 11 months that you're going to work for that $100,000. And that's that's an interesting thing because you would take instead of taking the hundred thousand dollars and divide it by twenty eighty, you would take the hundred thousand dollars and divide it by nineteen sixty, and that would give you your productivity pay rate. And this is this is the this is the the accounting and the systematic how things work um, and what we should be um, looking for as employees and employers should be very honest in how they show that and um and and that's really that's really it's earned earned for you right you you earn the the pto
2: you know i really like how you're doing the calculation on the productivity pay rate but i i did have a question here one i i co-teach entrepreneurship and innovation class at harvard and uh, i love the fact that you did the classic entrepreneur uh of you solved your own problem that hey i left this money on the table and i I wasn't going to take it anyhow. I'd love to have it in my 401k or do some other things where I could capture that value. And it, I mean, your statistics are amazing you know, 180 billion unused, and then the, the 65 billion statistic. When you approached companies with the idea of, hey, there's a lot of money being left on the table, uh, we're a company that can help you capture that and really bring that value into uh, the worker's pocket. How did they receive your message? Were they like, well, yeah, we don't want to give it to them. We'd rather keep it. What What did they say to you? When yeah, you said, here's it, our idea.
0: You know, Michael, that's too funny. When I first started the company, I sent out an email to eight CHROs. And within 48 hours, I received about four of them, emailed me immediately and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you right now. And so we went into a very large wireless cellular company here in the Pacific Northwest. They called us in. But what, what occurred through that process, Michael, to answer your question, was that it, it went all the way through contracting for about three weeks, and, and then all of a sudden, it ended very quickly and rapidly. And I asked the head of benefits there, and she said, we make $18 million on the backs of our employees, and if we put this in, they're going to spend it. And I said, well, where are you making that money? And they said, we make that on the call centers because of the churn of the employees. So what this company is doing is they're they're not paying it out. They're making all this. They don't want to pay it out. And it's all off the call centers. These people can barely make their ends meet. And this company is robbing $18 million out of these employees. And nobody's calling this to the carpet. And I will tell you, we run into this with... Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies that are publicly traded, okay? And they, they they see this, and there are some that say, yes, we want to do right by our employee. And then there's others that just say, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our shareholders to make money. Now, we were early when we started this idea, and so there was a lot of no's, a lot of you know, hitting our head up against the wall um but there are a lot of companies that say hey this is earned we want them to use it it's already budgeted benefit instead of putting in a new benefit why don't we let them you know self direct this for student loans um instead of going out and doing a student loan we now can do student loans and we can do 401k so we can address the generationals in our in our um in our employee community so that's that's really uh how we how we did it
1: So it's interesting because um, part of my research is actually focused on, and I recently just um, co-authored a book about this, looking at building an authentic brand strategy and really the, the integration of employee engagement and workplace culture to building an authentic brand. And so it just reminds me when you talk about those companies that might be resistant to actually paying out the employees that they might have a great set of values on their, on their website. They might have, you know, a great articulation of their mission and how they care about their employees. But if you just dig below the surface, they really aren't living up to these values. So have you found, especially, I you know, I think we've seen this, um, see shift in the past two to three years, especially with you know the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. with ESG and, and companies, quote unquote, greenwashing because they're not actually living up to the, the ESG goals that they have set about being carbon neutral and so forth. Companies are being called out for not living up to their values. So, have you seen a shift in companies saying, you know what we kind of have to do right by our employees and we'll be better companies for it. What is what is was what is it that you're seeing trending in the market that might, you know, favor your approach?
0: Companies are built to make money, okay? And their bylaws are written in such a way to make money and to only protect the shareholder. Okay? And the executives have a fiduciary, personal fiduciary responsibility to that profit. Until that changes, you will never, ever see a real employee first company. Because you can't. I'll I'll just give you kind of one example. The infamous unlimited paid time off. It starts with a lie. It starts with a word and it starts with a lie. If you're a company and says, Hey, I'm going to give everyone unlimited PTO. What you're doing is just lying to them. You're using words to perpetuate an idea or a feeling of it's free. It's, and that's not the reality. And we paint this in turn. They'll, they'll never be able to take unlimited because we don't have unlimited time. I mean, it just doesn't exist. So when you talk about those words and those, those mission statements. You know, you really have to back them up with the bottom line of we have to really think how we account for this because accounting is the only measurable way the companies operate. Unlimited PTO came about because in 1976, there was a law that said if you accrued your pay time off or vested your pay time off, it was called earned wages and would need to be paid out of separation. And what companies said is, well, hell, then I won't accrue it. If I don't accrue it, I don't know it.
2: You make an but, interesting point how
0: they're using this,
2: this play on words, and uh, it's actually not really being transparent or or authentic about their intention. Yeah, And I'm, I'm curious if you feel – and this might help your business because I'm always full of ideas mm-hmm. for the entrepreneur – uh, it'd be really interesting to be able to go on to Glassdoor and pull up different companies and have an, an area that would talk about paid time off with almost made like a star rating of, hey, you see unlimited paid time off, but culturally, good luck. You, you Don't do it because you know, people aren't going to give you opportunities or you're going to feel like you miss out on something. So it's really not unlimited. But it would be interesting to get a true indicator of your paid time off of, yeah, this is five stars. If you don't take the vacation, it goes into your 401k or you get a check. Uh, have you had any thoughts about that? Or
0: No, uh, but, but I think that's Glassdoor? a great idea. I mean, we do go into Glassdoor and look at who's got unlimited or who's doing different things on, on paid time off in Glassdoor. But what I find interesting is that there's this Gen Z and the millennials that have been what I call the blue ribbon kids They really don't. They come out not truly understanding business and uh, they unlimited PTO. They think it's a a euphoric, you know, that's the best thing ever, but they don't understand. It's very similar to the student loan crisis we're in right now. The student loan crisis occurred because everyone said, hey, I want to go to school. You know, and I can borrow money. None of them thought, "Okay, I'm going to go into teaching. Um, if I have twenty thousand dollars in student loans, and it's at this interest rate, it compounds over this time frame. How long is that going to take me to pay it off? And the and the teacher salary coming out is fifty thousand dollars, maybe. Nobody does that. It, they just went and took these loans out, and now they expect uh, us to pay them back, which is it's it, well poor education on our part and the parents' part, because my kids before they went to college, I sat down and. I showed them the numbers. I showed them how this works. I showed them that if they were gonna take out money, they could only take out $20,000. That's it, they could take no more. Anything over that, and they would be running into generational issues, which is, okay, now you're 23, you get married at 26 or 27, you wanna have children at 30. At 32, you're still paying your student loans. And now you wanna buy a house and put it in a 401k? you have to look at the life cycle of human beings and their workforce and 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 companies need to think about how they're taking those benefits and building a benefit profile that can allow people to utilize benefit dollars in those different inflection points and transitions in their life and everyone is different
1: I think you bring up such an important point. And um, in our, in our last question here, because we're going to have to close this 25 minutes just flew by (laughs) um, is you're talking about giving people a sense of agency over their own lives. And, you know, it's when we see these mandates about return to work, you know, what, what we're seeing and people are quitting and, you know, leaving Mm -hmm. the workforce because they're being forced to go back to the office. Yet, Last night, I went to um, my company's office opening in Boston and, you know, my company has said, hey, work from home. There's absolutely no mandate to come into the office. But then you organically, you saw groups of people saying, hey, I'd love to come in at least once a week. Let's all come in on Wednesday. And they started organizing in a very organic fashion themselves. And so it's almost like if you give them the choice and their own sense of agency over what decisions they can make for their own lives... Then you get you get better results. I, I I feel like that's that's what you're enabling with this with with your company.
0: A hundred percent. We're we're we believe that benefits should be portable. They should be earned. They should be owned by the employee, just like your four hundred one k does today. What's interesting about four hundred one k is I use it kind of as a an example because four hundred one k exists because pensions failed. And pensions failed because of the design of a pension and a trust. It's a three-legged stool. It's beholden by the debt holders of the company. Uh, Leverage buyouts would come in 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 the the early 80s and then would buy out and use the pension to pay them back. Reagan said, no, we can't do that. It has to be owned. Uh, We have to give people agency into their own future. Mm -hmm. Created the 401k. Ted Bennett actually created it, but uh, he sanctioned it. So, yes, I believe all these benefits should give you agency. And I do kind of to your point, because I think it's a a great example of people going in and deciding, hey, one one day a week. People want to be together. Mm -hmm. People collaborate um, when they're together. People laugh. They they just there is something intimate about being in person. I mean, it's very nice to meet you over the screen, but it's very different Mm -hmm. when we're in person. Having coffee sitting around a table. And it's or a just, really be- it's a really beautiful thing. It's, it is it's so it, beautiful.
1: The amount of um I met more people last night that I would have probably never met because I would have had to have a virtual introduction and then set up a meeting on Zoom versus just going up and meeting. I've met about five or six senior leaders I probably would not have met if I hadn't attended this event. So yeah. Um, Rob, this was a, a fantastic uh, conversation. Really interesting your concept of your company. You know, given the fact that Microsoft came out with this announcement, you know, what do, what does your company say in response to that? Do you try to come out and? work with it or or do you do you want to come out and try to be transparent and tell people what Microsoft's really doing <laughs> from what well, well, like.
0: I did right so i, I we had geekwire uh call me up and asked me and so I, you know they wrote about it yesterday um i i can't I, I can't change the behavior i can only provide a solution um the people change the behavior so the employees have to start demanding that you accrue my time and you know, you pay it out at the end of the year. If employees demand it, then the companies will start doing it.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Um, But until we educate the employees on all of this and how it really works, we're going to let the companies create the culture and not the employees create the culture.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a great, I think that's that's
0: what, what I see. So I'm really out just educating. And then, you know, we have a lot of customers. We have uh, just under a hundred clients and some very great names uh, that use our platform and employees that are getting a lot of value at it. And we, you know, we, we move millions of dollars to student loans and 401ks into HSAs. And we know that that's helping them out long-term and um, it's great.
1: That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us today. Um, this was a fantastic conversation. We'd love to bring you back maybe in about six to 12 months. And we'll see what's happening in the marketplace at that point. Yeah, What's impacting your company, but that would be great.
0: Yep. And Michael, so, so nice to meet you both.
2: You as well, Rob.
0: And uh, if you get
2: any uh, paid time off and want to come to Boston, I'll take you sailing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the happy at work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts.
1: Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on
0: LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.